This is a problem for you? We get it. You know, I've been confronting this issue my entire life. I have been threatened. I have been harassed. I've been denied jobs because of who I am and who I love. Now, a lot of people out there I talk to outside Sadakai say, oh, I have a gay cousin. I have a gay nephew. I can't be homophobic. B.S. B.S. You can be homophobic and have a gay friend, a gay neighbor, a gay son, a gay anything. Talk to all the gay kids that get thrown out of their houses and onto the streets by parents who say, I won't have you in my house any longer. And tell me that having a gay relative means that you're not homophobic. But here's what really scares me. When you have two or three days of this kind of chaos, of people screaming at the top of their lungs outside a school that read a book with one sentence in it that said, yeah, guess what? Families can include two moms and two dads. By the way, at the little discussion at the school after that, as soon as the book was over, one of the little girls sitting at my knees said, I have two mommies. But a little boy on my other side said, I have five grandmas. The idea that there are different kinds of families. The people screaming out at the streets, they didn't get a chance to find out about that because they made a decision based on hearsay. They made a decision based on agitators, not from their community, but from outside their community who saw an opportunity to take advantage of the real fears of people. I am very tired of having young people and adults in the LGBT community hear uh, three days of yelling and screaming about this, what do you think that did to them? What do you think that did to every gay teacher, every gay custodian, every gay worker in this city, every gay kid? What do you think that did to them? It made them afraid. It made them afraid. How dare you make them afraid because you are. I'm sorry. I told you this. Wow. Welcome to Transform Your Talk. This is Jenna. And that's that was a Jeff bird. Pl- that's Jeff playing with buttons. This is Jeff. Let's do that again. <laughs> so this is Jenna with Transform Your Talk. And Jeff and I are meeting with two very, very amazing ladies today to talk about this clip we just listened to. I got really, really fired up when I heard it. I know Jeff was out in L.A. when I sent it to him and he heard it. And then we started thinking about this idea that even in 2023, diversity and inclusion and everybody we're existing with, we are not doing a good enough job for our future. Because this kind of fear and making people feel afraid somehow must have been okay for somebody somewhere recently. And that's a problem. So So what's going to happen today, Jenna? So we have invited um, Farah and Carrie here today to talk with us about their own experiences. And I, gosh, I hope they've got some great ideas because I'm a mom that's looking for lots of great ideas and I couldn't think of two kinder, more fantastic women. To And I can say this because I've eaten Carrie's food, and it's fantastic. <laughs> and I've seen Farrah's work product, which is fantastic as well. So I took Jeff's advice, and here they are. Jeff, so, do you want to introduce them yeah. further? So let's introduce them. Farrah I got to know first. And Farrah 
uh, is my hairstylist. I guess yes. that's correct. Yeah, huh? that's correct. For quite a while. She works uh, at a local, uh, very cool, uh, uh, trendy uh, hairstyle place. So, uh, and her partner, Carrie, is a restaurant owner here in town, the, the Veg Head. And uh, I, being a recent uh, convert to the veg, vegetarian crowd, mm-hmm. love it. So, mm-hmm. um, thank you for coming today, both you guys. Thanks for and having us. obviously, the, uh, we're here to talk about diversity and inclusion and in the wake of what's happening on the streets and in the school boards and with the Supreme Court and you name it, there's news every day of people excluding, not including uh, more and more uh, people. It's not what we want for the future, not what we thought or I thought we were going to be looking at in 2023. This was supposed to be all over, and it's not. So, ladies, what do you think? Um, when I see that, every time I get, I, get, I get tears in my eyes. It's just so powerful and so moving. And it's sad to me that there is so much hate in this world for, you know, for people, just for being people. It's true. Yeah, definitely. What an amazing voice to come out and say those things. You can tell um, she having lived it, too. And it is so sad that, you know, again, we're dealing with this over and over in, in our everyday lives. And it's, I, I know... Everybody that has been a part of this community or loves somebody in this community has stories of how they felt fear and not being accepted and, you know, pushed to some really probably dark feelings about the world and themselves because people make it that way. Yeah. What are some of your stories? Um, well, I would say that so I grew up in a household that wasn't very, didn't feel to me very safe with with being queer. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of that situation, I think it prolonged me coming out and prolonged my, my self-love journey. Um, I had a very um, kind of toxic household environment where uh, certain family members would use certain words in certain ways that made me feel like that was not a good thing. Like I had family members who like quit watching Ellen once she came out because she was a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was never outright said, you know, like this is wrong, but there was an undercurrent. Oh. And I feel that, you know, had that not been an undercurrent that I grew up with, I might have been able to like accept myself and love myself, understand myself a lot sooner than I did. It took me like 37 years of my life to come to a place where I felt comfortable with who I was enough to be like, well, this is me and you're going to accept me whether you like it or not. And if you don't, that's fine. You know, so. Farrah, during those 37 years, do you think you were trying to conform to what others' expectations were? Of course, 100%. 100%. Family, employers, colleagues, friends, all that? Um, I would say family, most of all. Yeah. Like, um, 
friends, I mean, there were a few that I was kind of worried about, you know, when I finally did just say, well, to heck, to heck with it. Like I am who I am and I'm going to love who I love. And if you don't like it, then that's okay. Um, there was like maybe like one or two friends that I thought, you know, might be in that parameter, that like parameter of like not being accepting of me. I kind of held off telling them. I definitely held off telling my grandmother, um, Luckily for me, I guess you could say that, like, my first sort of tiptoe into the community of LGBTQ was with somebody who was trans, and they presented as male, so it wasn't so obvious. So it was kind of like a safe zone at that point in time. Um, But, you know, at the end, everybody accepted me and loved me for who I was. So, Well, I'm glad for that. Yeah. At the end, I mean, do you mind, how old are you? Uh, 46. Okay, so in the last nine years Girl, you've lived. you don't look 46. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Well, I don't look 50 either. <laughs> well, that's because you're not 50. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, you look gorgeous. So you felt free in the last nine or ten years finally to be yes. who you are. Yes, it was, that, it was a long, long journey. In terms of the stress of living not your true life, but another version of that, mm-hmm. what would you say that caused you um, or cost you? I think it just, it, um, that's a hard question to answer. I, don't, um, I think it cost me time, you know. It cost me, like, um, years of being in relationships that didn't feel right, Um sexual encounters that didn't feel necessarily right. Um, Being in relationships that were abusive because I didn't truly love myself. So I think it cost me like little bits of myself, which I'm slowly, you know, building back, you know, to a whole and complete and healed person. That's wonderful. Thank you. So it sounds as far as raising our future leaders as a parent and parents that might be listening, you know, all three of our listeners out there, maybe more someday, that a great way to foster these better relationships with our kids in our future is to start at home, letting them know that we love them for who they are, all the pieces of them, not using those words and that language and that rhetoric that can be so, so hurtful. Yes. Like, always, always watch what you say around kids. I even try to make sure that, like, when I talk to my nephews, you know, how when kids are young, I was like, you know, do you have a boyfriend or do you have a girlfriend? I always make, I always say, like, you know, like, I don't use, like, a single, you know, do you have somebody that you like? Is there somebody mm-hmm. you have a crush on? You know, because when I was a kid, it was always, do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a mm-hmm. boyfriend? You know, so I try to, to avoid those kind of things and That's tell smart. them, like, you know, no, no matter who you love, we will love you. No matter who you are, we will love you. That's awesome. What a great message. Thank you. My background was a little bit different than Farah's. Um, I actually grew up in the church, and oh. my dad was the preacher. Oh. And so it was very interesting <laughs> Growing up in a evangelical church, which you know is very vocal about you know gay being wrong, and they you were raised kind of tied to your own you know salvation or your own like where are you going you know if you're living in what they called sin and 
So I grew up in, you know, uh, five kids. My parents were good people. They did the best they could. But just that message of, you know, like me and who I am and understanding who I am as I'm getting older and older in their house, like I'm different and I love different and kind of learning to suppress that and not wanting to disappoint, you know, my own parents who had their views really out there about, you know, like gay people. Oh, you can love them, but they need to change. They can come to church, but they need to change. Or even comparing them and, you know, some conversations with pedophiles and, you know, people that have sex with animals and, you know, that style of thing. So growing up in that kind of environment um, and then coming out was very interesting. And it took me years to finally tell my parents, um, you know, I'm now in my 40s and came out to them in 2013 and I had been in a, a relationship and we ended up getting married and um, with a, a woman. But before that, when I came out, they really struggled with that. Um, so when I came out, I was forced to, in a sense, somebody had found out in the church and had said, hey, like, you need to come clean or we will tell on you. you know, Like was, blackmail almost. Yeah, it was that significant to them. And um, to me, you know, having respect and understanding people's stories, that's something you just don't have the right to do, right? That's right. Um, so I did. I came out, and my parents, my father took it better than my mother at first, and they really struggled with the thoughts of, like, my daughter is a good person and she's gay. Like, how does that align with being you know, a Christian and in the church. And, you know, it kind of had a whole, like, brain explosion for them, emotional explosion. And then how now, you know, everybody knows what happens. You know, we are public figures and we have a gay daughter. And the church itself, you know, there was a lot of backlash, um, you know, as part of the worship team told to step down. I babysat people's kids, Sunday school, told to step down. And there was no longer a spot for me. And the way that people looked and treated me was different. And there was some split in there too. Like, oh, yes, we love you for who you are. And then a lot of like, you know, like you need to change. Mm -hmm. Um, So in itself, like that was one of the best and worst times of my life in finding myself... I left and, you know, um, having this view of, you know, a God or a source or whatever you want to call it that is conditional love just didn't make sense to me because I didn't live my life like that. And I knew deep down, like, that I was to exist and be who I was. And um, the people there taught me that love is conditional and I knew that wasn't right. So it started a whole whole journey for myself. And again, like learning to love myself, treating people right, and going on to, um, 
you know, having these hard talks with my family and my friends and forgiving myself and forgiving them in the ways that I needed to to move on. And now, you know, after years of these challenging talks and um, my parents have come around full circle, you know, they, they've left the church and they're on living their own lives. And I now have, you know, nieces and nephews that are non-binary or gay or whatever they want to be. And I really attribute that to, you know, those, I mean, I, I have to say, like, I went through a different experience than they will now with the family, but you know, as far as as far as the world and being treated different, you know, you always come across that, especially in in my profession. I'm a chef, and um, being a woman is one thing in the chef world. You know, it's a it's a predominantly male you know world, so you have to prove yourself more and more than they do. Really, you know, you have to show up. You have to be smarter, work harder. You know, put all of your efforts into things. And then on top of that being, you know, LGBT um, and making a space for yourself there, too. And, you know, I I definitely am uh, fortunate now that in my own career and where I can be now in my own restaurant, I can make a space for that fostering that um, diversity and non-bullying and the space that I always wanted. I can create that. It sounds like you've been a big catalyst for change in your family. You know, they talk to you about change, change, change. It sounds like you were the catalyst for change for your nieces and your nephews. And yeah, it paved the way for them. It absolutely Mm -hmm. did. And it sounds like in your restaurant, which, you know, we've been to, and it was like, this is the warmest, kindest, most welcoming place ever. Um, And it sounds like you did that in your job as well. So it sounds like you're a great catalyst for this love, caring, and just everybody feeling included. That's awesome. Part of it is like you, you know, even um, the the talk we just heard, like you don't get a choice. You have to be brave, you know? Like if your voice means everything in these situations and sticking up for the people that, you know, have been mistreated and sometimes the voiceless and, you know, our youth that is being oppressed or feeling like they're less worthy of being in this space because of how they identify. It's very true. I'm curious, did you go back to the church or are you still part of it or what? No. <clears throat> so, yeah, I definitely moved on and um, my views of, you know, the source and God and all those things have expanded beyond just, you know, organized religion. And I understand that humans make mistakes and they understand in their, in their perceptions. But I think the church as a whole hasn't had a really good rep with mm-hmm. <laughs> our community and, not so you know, just not being truly kind to and loving unconditionally with people and there's a lot of great people so I I definitely don't see myself ever stepping back but I did get a chance recently to reapproach um, some people that had outed me in the church or forced me and I got to say my truth to them and years back being re- 
feeling repressed or not feeling brave inside, I might have just skipped that moment. But I took this moment and I said my truth. And it was that, you know, your message has taught conditional love to people, which is not what I believe God is. And um, though I wish you the best, I hope that you will consider changing what you're saying to people because it's very damaging. That's so brave. And I'm glad you took that moment. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I definitely believe in that saying about how, you know, you have to be the change that you want to see in the world. And, you know, one of the things that I struggle with having like a profession where I am working with the public, you know, for long, you know, segments at a time is, you know, what's coming out to them too. How is that going to affect my income? You know, Mm -hmm. if I have somebody sitting in my chair who is homophobic and I mentioned my girlfriend and I just decided that, you know what, I'm going to be the change in the sense that I'm going to give them a loving and compassionate space to be who they are and have, you know, positive, you know, um, like mind-opening conversations with them in hopes that their um, prior knowledge of who I was as a person, you know, would change their minds. Well, here's a person that I've let, you know, into my most personal spaces, most personal parts of my lives, you know, being a hairstylist, we, we you know, I'm hands-on. I touch people, I get in their spaces, you know, I talk about their kids and their families and their just everything I've had people in my chair crying to me and I you know I just feel like hopefully they can take that part of me that they know and also you know know that I am a you know a queer woman and maybe that will change their views by me being brave enough to come out to them maybe they will go on and leave my chair thinking that you know it's okay. I know this person and I love her and she's great. And hopefully my bravery will make it easier for other people. Absolutely. That's like the change, you know, like that everyday people like Farah and I and you and you and everybody else can do is change the spaces around them. We don't all get a platform, you know, on national television to speak that truth, which I'm so excited that she did. Um, But in our small spaces, in our businesses, in our daily lives, in our talks with our nephews and nieces and kids, creating that space and that change that you are accepted and, you know, we do love you and we value you and all the things with that, that's how we change our world. You're absolutely right. I wonder how you both feel when you hear the news every day. It's like never ending. I avoid the news. I don't watch it. Ah. (laughs) That's where I'm at. That's how I keep my sanity. I don't watch it. I definitely hear it from people, you know, from my clients, you know, or maybe scrolling through Instagram, but I really try to avoid it because I feel like there is a lot of negativity in the news. They don't show the positivity. They don't show, you know, the good things that happen they only show the bad things. And I just, I try to look at it as my everyday life. What do I experience in my everyday life? And mostly it's good things. Yeah. I joke with my kids. I'm like, um, I want to see the happy news, like the puppies and the kittens and like, for sure, you know, the kids selling lemonade outside. Yeah. Where's that yeah. news? <laughs> yeah. It's on social media. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but I, yeah. I think both of you are incredibly brave. 
and even coming to chat with us about all the great change you're both helping make in this world and sharing it with us and sharing your space with Jeff and sharing your amazing art and craft and amazing food with us. And boy, I hope, because there used to be a really, really great dance space in Lansing for everybody in this great community that I used to love to go to because it actually felt like a safe place yes. to go out with my girlfriends dancing. Yeah. doesn't exist anymore, and right. I wish there was one that maybe, I don't know, served great food too. Yeah. <laughs> and if that existed, I want to come and enjoy it and enjoy the self-love and the acceptance mm-hmm. that comes with it because there's no greater place to feel loved and accepted. So we have a final message that we're taking from, I think, someone, a great artist, um, Macklemore. At one of his concerts, he actually started with this. And it's just a couple last words. Of course, nothing as great as what you ladies had to share with us, but well, we'd like Well, we'd like to talk more with you about how, how we actually go about, and I like your answer, one, one customer at a time or one person at a time. That's really a great way to do it, but we may not have time to do that. So <laughs> we might have to come up with new strategies to educate and create and support a new community of leaders and thinkers because what's going on now is not going to work for the rest of us at all. Yeah. So uh, that being the case, thank you, ladies, for coming today. Thank you thank both you. so thank much. <laughs> I believe in compassion. To his knowledge, he did not. And I think when I'm thinking of older relatives, for instance, the the acronym, right?